0: My guest today is Tomás O'Leary, CEO and founder of Origina and president of Free ICT Europe. And Tomás is living proof that you can be successful in business and be a really nice guy. A testament to his success, he took his once locally focused Irish-based company into the leading independent IBM software maintenance company in the world. Tomás, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. That's... Uh... That's a hell of an introduction. Um, well, it's, 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 it's well-deserved. Uh, the, the last time I, we spent any time together was probably back in 2009, 2010, thereabouts. You had moved into some nice swanky offices and then the crash happened. What <laughs> happened to your business after that? I think the crash was happening
1: as we met. Yeah, it probably, maybe I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, at the time, and like all these things in business, what you, what you, when, when it becomes difficult, it takes a while for you to uh, recognize the challenges, but for sure. Yeah. 2000 and whatever it was, the end of the 2000s, uh, it was, we'd moved into an office and I had to, within a number of years, we had to get out of it. We had actually, we used to rent that, that old office to you. I think you ran some of your sales training or we partly rented it to you for a while um, which we had also attended. We used to come up from the swanky one, go up to the old one because we still had the lease. So about 2011 then, we actually had to get out of the, the fancy one and back into the old one and carry our furniture and our boxes and our computers up there with the with the small number of staff. I think we had I think I had 40 people or so working with us at the time. I'm um, not sure had you bought your Harley at that, at that
0: stage, Paul, had you? <laughs> uh not the current one that's it's a 2012 reg so probably not no yeah i definitely we bumped in but very
1: briefly shortly after that, i think when you, when, you, when you had the harley i think a couple of years later but the last time we probably talked in any great deal of detail yeah um it was a uh, yeah listen i think the one thing i mean you, we all know this and, and any anybody who has been in business and had, certainly who owned a business um uh, in that period running from any time in the early 2000s or even before then. I mean, I set up my business originally in 1998. Um, So I've been kind of doing this since I was 27 years of age. So I'm kind of the only thing I know how to do now. Um, I'm getting better at it, I have to say. I think so. Uh, But uh, that journey through uh, the kind of boom in the tech industry, um, you know, post-year 2000. We're right up to the, the collapse of the Irish economy in 2008 um, and then the subsequent collapse of many, many businesses and the, uh, who relied on the Irish economy like my own. Um, we didn't ultimately collapse completely, but we shrunk immeasurably. I mean, we had a business that turned over, you know, eight to nine million uh, at the top end in terms of revenues. Um, it was a project orientated business um, required very good strong sales skills as you know you know you you're, you're, as soon as you do one deal you're on to the next deal so and there's many many businesses like that in Ireland across all industries but in the tech industry is quite, quite common um and uh, yeah we we found ourselves in enormous difficulty um, should have gone belly up and should have gone out of business um, we found ourselves in a situation where our most trusted partners that we thought were trusted partners actually had it out for us. Um, IBM it turns out, they didn't they had a problem with us. Um, and they, we had we survived that. We came through the other side of that um, and we sh- obviously shrunk down to a very, very small business and had to re-engineer ourselves. Um, and that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. But I guess if you know if you're looking for the easy gig, I don't know. I don't know how many easy gigs are out there. Certainly not in today's world. So it makes you, you know, the old saying, "What doesn't kill you makes you
0: stronger." It's it's absolutely true. I would imagine that kind of experience would really knock you back. You have to downsize your business. The your your key partner runs for the hills. It's not there to support you. That must be a really difficult place to be in.
1: Yeah, it was. And it was. it's worse than that. It wasn't just that my key partner was not there to support me. Um, my key partner was actually trying to put me out of business. Uh, so that's actually what was happening. Uh, I didn't realise it at the time, but I found out subsequently that uh, there were meetings to in, inside the IBM business in Ireland. They were having sessions to actually put us out of business. They would have meetings internally to figure out what they could do to take business away from us. So when you find that out, what does it do to you? It is quite devastating, you know. It's quite Mm -hmm. difficult. We found ourselves in a really, really tricky situation. And eventually what I had to do was I had to go to the partner and say, listen, we have this challenge. I put my cards on the table. Thinking that actually, even though we had some challenges and all these things, these things always happen in business. You always have challenges with your partners. But actually what happened was they actually pulled a plug on me. So within a couple of weeks, they actually issued a termination notice for my contract. And it was a termination notice not for what I said to them or anything else. It was a termination without cause. And I didn't know you could you, that that could have happened. Because why? Because like most people, I hadn't read the contract. Well, sorry, yeah, maybe not most people. But in my experience, those you know, people do not read all the contracts that they sign. Should we get them on our phones all the time. How many of us have actually accepted the terms and conditions on our phones. Mm, I mean, there right. was a study in the New York Times recently. Apparently, it would take you 17 years of your life to read all the terms and conditions you've actually accepted. So yeah. it's, you know, so I hadn't. Well, I found myself until so that was very difficult. But not only that happened, because that didn't kill me. Then there was actually all sorts of rumors and, you know, things. being spread. So that's a really hard place to be for anybody's business then. I don't know the motivation for any of that. And I actually don't care anymore. It doesn't matter to me anymore. But at the time, you either you either react in that you, you know, collapse. Or I'm very fortunate actually, that type of adversity actually makes me motivates me. So so I was like, Oh, that was that you think you're gonna kill me? <laughs> Not a chance. So it actually and then mm-hmm. what surprised me is that actually I did have, have that resilience and strength. That, of course, you doubt yourself. But you sure when the, when the chips, you know, chips are down, can you really deliver against? Them? So yeah, uh, I did. Um, and to cut a long story short, I created within those ninety-day termination period a business to take business directly from IBM and create at the time was a third-party data center repair business. And the only reason I succeeded at that, apart from the resilience and all, like have all those things, but the only reason, because I had customers, because this is know, a sales show you do, I had customers that absolutely trusted me. And I didn't realize that at the time as much. I knew whether they were doing business, but I never really analyzed it. I mean, even though I'd done training with you and... You know, I've done all sorts of sales training. And my time working in IBM, I mean, I used to love working for when I was at IBM. I loved working there, got some amazing oh. training from them. And just for whatever reason, some individuals in IBM took it out on me, uh, whatever the reason was. But I, uh, you know, I I always felt that you know I had the ability to do stuff, but I never realised that your customers are the people ultimately. Let's say, and they saved me. One customer goes gives me a contract. But I was telling him I was dead because I didn't want to do it remotely. I wanted to. That's the other thing. I think the lesson, don't walk away from stuff. because you surprise surprised what happens if you confront the challenges and confront the, even the danger. Don't walk away. So I actually went. I said, no, I'm going to meet every single one of our customers. Now, we didn't have that many customers. We had probably 40 companies that we did business with reasonably regularly. So it wasn't huge. But they're all the many of the big names in Ireland. And. Um, And some of them were Irish grubby, some of them were multinationals. And almost, I think, bar three or four, who, for other reasons, had challenges coming to us, all of them wanted to stay with us. Um, And they stayed with us because of of me, possibly, but also because of like Rowan and my business partner and other people working with me. They trusted me and they trusted my company and wanted to help me. And from Mm -hmm. that, actually, I created a third-party data center repair business um, Went from having literally because overnight, 90 days, I would have been out of business. I wouldn't have been able to trade. I was left with debts. I was left with no, no, we can't, can't do any more new business. Nobody else is going to sign me up as because they are market. If you can't sell someone else's technology, and what are you going to do? You know, um, I can't create a consulting business overnight. Uh, you know, I can't have guys sitting on my books and paying them salary and have no money coming in. So, you have to salvage it. So I managed to salvage the business with the help of my customers and overnight created a business that had, you know, I think I signed oh, in excess of a million euros worth of contracts. That wasn't a lot, but it was enough to keep the lights on and um, a much more profitable business as well. Now, the challenge was I didn't know how to do it. When the guy gave me the contract, can you do this? I took it off him and I said, can you give me 48 hours? I'll come back to you. So I didn't promise him something that I couldn't deliver on. So I went away and I I wanted to make sure because I could see this customer trusted me. So it had to be 100% or I would lose that trust really quickly if I pulled the wool over his eyes and I was able to prove, able to find out how there was a whole, and I didn't even know this at the time, there was a whole industry and market. It's been around for years of independent repair. You know, we know we all know it as consumers if we bring our cars after the warranty's expired, you know, but in the IT industry, when you're part of the kind of, what they call the prim- you mentioned free ICT. So this is what I do all the time. I support the secondary market, but I was part of the primary market. Yeah. So as part of the primary, because I was a partner of IBM's, I was a partner of VMware's and whatever. So we were part of the primary market. So I never knew anything about the secondary market. It's like as if, oh, don't look over there. It's do- there's something mm. dodgy going on. And mm. um, well, in actual fact, no. There's actually some really reputable companies in that space, yeah. and
0: they, fi- they had figured it out. Yeah, I wonder. By the way, when I read "Free ICT," I just thought you guys were giving it away for free. That was like freeware. That's what it was. <laughs> but your, <laughs> your, the your, first. your story, Tomas, is a really inspiring one, and it's. But what I took away from it, listening to it, is that you mentioned overnight you had to, but in some respects, you're like those uh, pop stars, rock stars who are it's a 10-year overnight success, that those relationships you had with your customers were absolutely vital. I mean, there was your own reaction, but then there was also the base, your environment, which your, your customers who trusted you because they knew, and, and and I remember Roland as well, I mean, when I met you guys, you always had that sense was that you would never let people down, that if, you know, when, when, when stuff happens and the proverbials hit the fan, as it always does, who's gonna be in your corner? And as individuals that you had that relationship, they could trust that where a big company, big brand, they know that when trouble happens, they just go running for the hills as you've discovered. So I think that was important, as you said, so for people to make those investments. And I see it a lot in sales where people will say, well, look, here's my territory, I don't know will I have it even next year, so I don't spend that much time on it investing in the relationships. And I think your story is is highlights how important it is to do that. But also then your reaction, 90 days, that's not a lot of time to turn yourself around and steady the ship and, and, and deal with the trauma that you're facing with. So um, in, 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 to be able to dig deep like that and have that grit, is, is truly inspiring, so thanks for sharing that. I wanna move us on though because I know over those times, whether that was before in your old business, I should say before crash, and then in the new business as you built it up, you have built more than one sales team and you must have learned a lot along the way when it comes to hiring, developing, retaining key staff. Uh, what are some of the key lessons you've learned about that, let's start with hiring. Force about hiring the right kind of people. What advice would you give to people if you're to do it again? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's not. It's a. Tr- it's a very, very difficult one, and I think sales is one of the most challenging area to hi- ch- Challenging areas to hire in, personally, um, I would imagine. If you talk to any anybody in the sales profession, as, as I know you do regularly, they would they would agree. Um, we kind of look for three things now when we're we're, we're hiring people. Um, the first is that you need you need to be able to have demonstrable evidence that the person is able to do the job that you're asking them to do. All right. So um, clearly in sales, you need to have some. These be real evidence. Um, I'll give you one one example of this. We had a, we were hiring we, two years ago. We were hiring our first people. In, in 2019 so in, in kind of march or april of 2019 we put some feelers out some contacts i had in the us and we came across a guy who had worked in a bunch of different places including ibm um and he came highly recommended from a contact of mine in the us that i that i knew but not very well but he was a guy i liked and i trusted so i said yeah we'll have a look with him and we had a conversation it was a really really good conversation like this we did a zoom call so we took a punt and said we'd bring him over Dublin. So we actually flew him in to Dublin, all right? And we picked him up. He landed in the morning, and we picked him up from his hotel. He had, had two hours sleep. I think he landed at 5am. We picked him up at 8. There happen to be a conference or something going on around. So a lot of people we talked to now were in the IT asset management space. It just happened to be a European IT asset management and a round table or something going on in Dublin that we were going to go to anyway. So we dragged him along to that. So he's just off the plane. Um, and we all of them Then from there. We had some lunch with him and then brought him to the office and had an interview. Okay. Um, and then that evening brought him out for dinner, went back in his hotel and flew home. And we wanted to test three things. We wanted to test one, did he have, did he know what he was doing? Okay. Could he sell? And um, second one we needed to test was, did he have um, uh, resilience? All right. <laughs> Clearly getting them, going to picking him up at the airport. Pick up at his hotel after two hours sleep and doing what we did, because we to heavily test his resilience. Could he last and have a beer with us that night? And the last thing we wanted to test, though, as well, which is why we spent so much time with them under those environments, was that, do we like him? All right? And did he like us? Uh, and they are actually the attributes we're always looking for in everybody, in every role. So when we're hiring, but in his case, what happened was we started to dig into tell me about the sales you, you know, the jobs that you did the sales deals that you did tell me more mm. you know the sort of skills that you teach all the time that, mm. like, tell me more uh, you, you, like he was he was talking about doing a deal with let's say I think it doesn't name a company and um, Boeing and he was selling Boeing I said what did you sell so he described what was that why did they buy that from you uh, were you involved in the sales pitch? What did you did you did, you, did you do the write the proposal? Did you no? That was written by somebody else. Did you did you then do the presentation? While well, I was part of the presentation, which part of the presentation? So we actually went into, you know. So it sounds like an interrogation. It was done in a, in a in a it wasn't done in a confrontational way, but the and whether you do it like that I've just described or you do it over a longer period of time, what you what you need to know is have they actually done what you're asking them to do before. And if they haven't, can they still do what you're asking them to do? Okay. Now it's possible someone hasn't done what you've asked them to do, but I think that's is that's the thing I think we miss when we're hiring for any job. Is that this and, and salespeople are the worst at it, I suspect, because we do this with our customers, yet we don't do it when we're hiring as much. We we get we just get easily sold to. Them. <laughs> By like the sales guy, he's giving you the sales pattern, but he actually, you haven't really dug deeper. And you have to really dig deep. And when you do that, you'll get a better candidate. Yep. Now, obviously, you can't do that necessarily to the same extent, if you know, depending on the level. We have in our, in our sales team, we have 25 people now in the sales team. So we have everything from inside salespeople who are maybe doing the first or second job right through to guys who have been who are more seasoned sales guys than I am myself. Okay, so it's the full spectrum, um, and like like all companies, we have probably the full level of quality as well. You know, so it's more difficult to maybe establish that with the guy coming in. It's his first or second jobs. but there are things you can still test. You still can test. Can they make a phone call? You know, can have they got the basic phone etiquette, email etiquette? You know, so you don't have to teach them everything from scratch. Um, so you know, I think that's it. So they are the three. There there are the three things we look for. And we still have that as our bible, and I'm not saying we get it right because we don't. We get it probably wrong a lot, but we don't. We get it. We, we get it wrong far less than we used to get it wrong. Mm. So, no, well, I wanted to
0: ask you then because you said you had 25 salespeople uh, in the organisation at one degree or another, and I guess many of them are remote. And I know that you were managing people remotely even before the pandemic hit. What are some of the challenges? I mean, how do you keep people motivated? How do you create that, that team culture when you have people from different cultures, then not physically together?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I, gonna, I, I, I guess we will only know how successful we are in the future. <laughs> so I think we have some level of success today. Um, it is difficult. I think it's, there's a lot of pressure on people working from home. It doesn't suit, you know, go back to that, that, that spectrum of people. That, person who's maybe first or second job could well be living at home, or, you know, so he's he's in his bedroom or she her bedroom or having to use mommy and daddy's table and there's stress at home and dad's trying to work from home and the younger brother or sister is also at school, it could be that, or they could be in an apartment, three-bed apartment. That was all great when two of them were from, at, from the countryside and went home at weekends and they had the place themselves, now they're all on top of each other. So you got a whole spectrum of it. Um, uh, I think what you have to do is you've got to try. You've got to try to do a couple of things. You've got to try. There's a balance between applying pressure. Okay, and I used to be terrible at this. I have to admit, I was always putting too much pressure on people. I have to. I would would say that I was. I was. You know, because you'd set, and I still do some of this, but I'm not as not as bad. Set unrealistic expectations because I have them on myself, but then try to give that to somebody else, just doesn't work, you know. Um, And when you're the business owner, if you don't kid all your expectations, it's okay, still have the business. Mm. Whereas with the sales guy, you don't get your commission, you don't get your check, you don't get And it's not just that, it's also you need fulfillment. You need fulfillment comes from achieving your goals, you know. And so I think you have to get that balance right in the first instance you've got to find ways to to, to connect with them and um, so I, I was i was laughing this morning i was saying telling and um, you know i do a podcast as well called or do a plug for it here two two irish guys discussing software yes. with, with yes. so i was so we call him brent so i said to brent listen brent i'm doing this podcast remember paul hannigan was you ever paul i said uh, i said i've doing this podcast with paul and he's asking me about sales. He should be asking. He should have you as a guest. I'm the wrong, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy, <laughs> you know. So, but Brent, is yeah. telling me what he's doing. He's connecting with all twenty five of his staff regularly. Yeah. Yeah. He. Some of them don't yeah. report directly to him at all. So he runs our global sales team, um, and he does that regularly. We also do. We do things like we have a. a we have a <laughs> laugh at this. We do a month. We do a weekly call. It's a 30-minute call. The whole company joins, okay? And uh, we used to do a year, we've done it for years. It's kind of, it's our, it's our rhythm. Now, we used to do it in the morning. We now do it at 3 o'clock because we want to catch the, we have a Dallas office as well. So they all come on, on and wherever, we've got a couple of guys living in Philadelphia and New York and other places. So they, they'll come on, and there'll be a bit of, it's all about a bit of good news, Um, A bit of update on the numbers, because we all get measured on the numbers, clearly. So, and we don't measure, we don't talk about revenue, by the way. Revenue to some people in the business means nothing. So, we actually count deals. So, we count the numbers of deals by type. We've got three types of deals that we measure. All right. right? So, we say, here's what, we've got a target for the number of deals. So, it's it's a more, it's a more kind of comprehensible number. It's like, you know, we we had to do 47 deals in the last quarter. Yeah. So, and and 20 20 of them had to be new deals. Yeah. So, what, you know, so we have a name for everything. And so we take them through where we are. Where do we think we're going to come? So it's you, It's me. I run the meeting. And then what I do is a kind of a little catch up with people across the business. And Nobody knows who I'm going to ask, but I don't put them under pressure. So I do a kind of little interview. So, well, who have we not? so I'll do things like, who have we not heard from today? It could be any. And I'll make sure I hit everybody in the business over a quarter. You know, no matter how where they sit in the organization, and I'll obviously the ones that are more maybe a little bit nervous, I'll be more forgiving and trying to get them in on the on the call. And I really enjoy it, and I think people appreciate it. Like it's 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 a connection, yeah. and they get to hear what other people are up to. Um, and the reason I do it, the, the basis of not telling anybody about it, because they don't know when they're going to come on, so they don't have to. And they'll you know so usually it's a surprise them when they come on, and it's like okay. <laughs> What have I got to say? And I'll bring them through that. It's only 20 seconds, 30 seconds. They yeah. can talk for as long as they want or as short as they want. I don't put them under any pressure. So we yeah. get these connections. and We do things like town halls and we do, you know, they're very American but very useful things to do, you know. So I think, if, I think you have to try to connect with your team. You've got to make them feel like they're part of a family. Like we've, we're very much a, have a view like let's try and make everybody feel that we're on the same journey together. And you can do that, That's not easy, then at least you've, you've, you're, kind of, you're winning half the battle.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you said that they're part of the journey. Being part of a family is one thing, and that's good, but also, what's the story? Where is it going? I think that's another one as well, because then people have something to look forward to. I heard one guy said the, the key to happiness was something to look forward to, uh, something to do, and someone to love and And I think that's that's true in a company as well, because you have colleagues who do in 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 that sense, uh, respect, admire, and, and and love their 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 colleagues when they get to know them over time. and then you have something to do, but but the key thing is there's something to look forward to for sure. Um, and, and it sounds like from everything you're saying that the, the business is going really well and um, th- there is a future. and, and again, who knows, 10 years' time, it could be a completely different business, right? Well, it will be. It's already a business. I mean, you look, I mean, I was looking the
1: other day. I think I had it on my desk here. I was thinking about, you asked me something in your in your email. And I was looking at a list that I still keep there from 2017, okay? So I mentioned earlier about the hardware business that I set up. I actually sold that in 2018, okay? So in June 2017, I have a telephone list here somewhere on the desk Uh, it's here. Yeah. So we had 13 people in, in what was two companies. Then a year later, I sold off the hardware company. It had seven staff. Okay. So of the 13, seven of them worked in the hardware business and six then worked in the software business. So we had six actual staff in the business that were dedicated to software. Now we all worked a little bit between both. And in 2017, then that year we were our, I was our third year of doing business. We did, we measure, I mentioned deals, but if we're talking about revenue, we measure how much did we, all our contracts are annual contracts, okay? So how much do we bill out? So it, it, the accountants will tell you the revenue is slightly different because you, you can't recognize it all. But we did 3 million euros worth of billings in software alone, okay? So we passed out the harder business and a year later we sold it. But this year we'll do 30 million. Wow. Right? So we we we've already done in this quarter almost as much business as we did in all of 2019.
0: Wow. You've so got three x your business in 3 years. What? You you've you've gone 10 times the business revenue in 3 years from 2017 to now. To 2021. So four yeah, yeah. 17
1: to 18, 18 to 19, 19 to 20. So yeah, in four years, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible because The rule of thumb i've seen in for for a steady business if you're growing at a sustainable rate is to double every three years so well i'll tell you i I, we already know so here's the
1: thing we we measure we're measuring since the beginning of the of of november so i've told you that we did in the last quarter alone we did 20 new customers okay as well as our new renewed existing customers and more business existing ones we did 20 new clients, okay? So we know how the business grows. It's obviously going to grow on the back of new customers. We have a goal to get to 1,000. You know, why why 1,000? Because, you know, I guess why not? Yeah. You, know, you, got, you got to get a number. That's, uh, it's, it's a number big enough to be ambitious enough, but also not too big that you think you can't get to it. So we think there's maybe 20,000 companies in the world, our, our, our data says, that are bigger, spending enough money with IBM today, globally, and, and will still be spending enough money and enough money means they will be able to save enough money by coming to us is predominantly remember at the end of the day all the other things we do for customers the primary driver is often obviously cost. we save people a lot of money okay so um so we know we can get to a thousand customers on we don't know how long that's going to take us okay but what we do know is that if we hit 50, and we're working on this already, 50 new logos in our... So we've done 20 this quarter. It's our first quarter of our financial new financial year. And we started on the 1st of November. We're closing today. It's the last day of of our first quarter. And we're there. We've got the 20. We do 50 in the first quarter next year. We'll hit 250 by the end of 2022, which means that we'll be able to do the 1,000 by the end of 2025. If that's the case, Paul, we'll probably be turning over 250, 300 million. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How does that that's make a
1: big you company. feel? That will be, we'll be a big company. You when know? you think
0: about yeah. that and you think back to those 90 days, how does that make you feel?
1: Oh, uh, well, proud of myself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of myself. Um, thankful that actually those guys tried to beat me up. <laughs> it's like it's like you got beat, bullied down the alleyway and you learned karate and you then were on you know your next thing you're you're on yeah. the Olympics
0: or something you know yeah. so but isn't it funny that sometimes we think that the in, in in adversity we find the best of ourselves I think and we can use that as the energy I remember David Sanders saying if you want to motivate yourself just think about think about who's who's waiting for you to fail, somebody who would take some joy, some schadenfreude in your failure. And in that alone, you will find motivation to continue. Now you had that in spades because you had uh, the man, you know, coming down heavy on you and literally, literally taking your livelihood, not just away from you. And I think maybe, maybe what's in this as well is that it's not just you, because my sense of that is you, you you could attack me personally. And it doesn't bother me, but threaten my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. whole different ball game. And I think mm-hmm. when, when when somebody threatens to take away your livelihood, it's more than just about yourself. And so, but yeah, it's just looking back at that, you, you must smile a lot thinking about that. That's just just an incredible story. So kudos to you. Tell me, um, what are the, some of the challenges you think now gr- in terms of growing and retaining key talent? Because you're not going to get there without growing people and retaining the the best talent. Where do you see the challenges?
1: Yeah, no, actually, this is probably what I, my job has totally changed. I I don't get to be in front of customers as often as I like anymore. A lot of my job now is internal and looking at leadership, looking at, you know, talent, how do we create a culture? and I think actually that's what it is. It is about a culture. If you can develop a strong, clear culture and sustain that through your actions, my action as the as the ultimate leader, but all with the wider leadership team and every individual, um, I think you have a, a better chance. If you're hiring people into that culture in the first place that fit as well, so if you're clear, careful about who you bring in, um in the sales area, particularly, you don't be tempted by the really good sales guy, but who's a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, you, you gave me a very nice introduction at the beginning of the podcast, and thank you again, saying it can be, you can succeed as a nice guy. And actually, I believe that genuinely, that you don't have to be pain in the ass or worse um, to succeed in life. You don't have to trample over people to get to the top. Um you can actually go to the top, and you get there faster if you bring people with you, because you can stand on their shoulders, and there's an awful lot less effort. You know, share the load, and ultimately, people. I mean, I happen to be the leader in my business, um, and I'm happy to be the leader. I think that's also important. I think you need to be comfortable being at the top. It can be lonely, you know, if you're the CEO or the head of sales. You know, it's not it's not a very in a place where people are going to be patting in the back all the time. So don't expect the pats on the back because you're not going to get many of them. Um, but what you can do is if you're going in the right direction and if you're still going and, and if people aren't asking you to step aside, that should be enough for you to know that you're actually doing a decent job, you know. So I think that, that bringing people along that journey and creating the right culture, um, developing people, allowing people to space and giving, you know, being, being empathetic to, your, to, to people um, provide providing that balance between space and, and pressure. You got to create the environment that's that's competitive, um, but not overly competitive. It's a fine balance, Paul. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know this, and you've been talking to companies all, all your life, and you, you've worked in the past in, in in big organizations. So you'll know this yourself. It is it is a fine. But you know what's interesting about it? I actually enjoy. It, because it's 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 developing new skills. I'm lear- learning, I'm just turned fifty last year. I'm learning new skills now. Um and they're skills that I probably wouldn't have been as interested to do when I was 27, setting up the business, because all I wanted to do is do deals. Whereas now I'm I have a different level of satisfaction. You know, I still love the co- interacting with customers. I really, really do. Um, you know, I love when I'm, the sales guys ask me, I was asked this morning to do a call. One of our customers is Orange in France. I don't really know. I speak a bit of French, badly, but the French French people are very forgiving, and they they're they're very happy. So I there was a call, and this, the the guy who runs the we have we have our territory includes France. He pinged me a note yesterday and said, "Will you? Um, I've managed to get Gilles Marc. Will you will you join the call?" I said, "Love to," because you know, I did the original deal with them, and there was only a handful of us wow. three years ago. So you know, I was like, "Oh, back beating my old pal," uh, and that's how I see them. He's like these guys are people i i really enjoy being in their company even if it's on something like this just hearing them chat and you know him listen to my rubbish french <laughs> it's a bit of fun so yeah it is it is challenging it's not easy but i think it's it's a combination of so many different things you know
0: yeah yeah so tell me now part of you said there's a lot more of your focus is internally on growing and developing the team and the people within the team Within that, occasionally somebody's going to get through the net. Somebody who looks good when hiring, says all the right things, makes you feel good. They 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 connect all the dots. But then a couple of months into the job, there's a few red flags, and you got to nip that in the in the bud quickly. What are those? You know, those patterns. I think you probably learned to spot over the years. What are the ones that you see? that are the red flags that you kind of go, okay, we really need to nip this in, in, in the bud and deal with these, either either modify the behavior or get them out quickly.
1: Mm. Yeah, in our, in our place, at Origina,
0: we, it'll come,
1: because of the culture is quite open, we'll hear it from others, not in a in a kind of a whisper, it'll be said, there's problems there, some will flag it, because actually we're so interdependent on each other. So the so it's one of the things we've done is try to create each department depends on the other department and they have goals, not across all of them, but they'll always pick one, every quarter we pick some goals. I'm not getting into massive detail here. This doesn't take long to do. We just think, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? Let's you guys focus on this, you're gonna focus on that. Let's pick, pick one that looks the same. Can you guys collaborate on that one? So there's constantly interaction between them. Um, and areas they have to work on. So they'll spot very quickly where there's a problem. Um, and if you do it at a, at a people, at the team level, but also at the, at the leadership level, that'll come out. So that that comes out early. That's a good thing, okay? Then you can try and figure out what did we what did we do wrong in the hiring process? Did they Did, did we figure out that they were actually had some quirk in their personality that made them look like a really nice person most of the time? You know, in other ways, some people don't know how to hold a drink. <laughs> suddenly, they're like a bad day and they're, oh, God, I don't know that, that he or she was like that. So is it that? Or is it that actually they we didn't do the right testing on their skill set? Or actually, we hired them for this, but actually, because we're so fast moving, they've ended up doing this. That's our fault, not their fault. Well, we've got to figure that out. Um so, um, and the resilience thing is coming into everybody these days because we're all working from home. It's like a, it's a real challenge. We're, we're locked, most of the world is locked up, mm. you know? And we're like, can't get out the door, can't go, you know, if you're living in a city, you're not supposed to be going about more than five, some places have curfews. Like so we've got staff in France, we've got staff in Germany, we've got staff in the UK, and we've got staff in the US, we've got staff in Ireland, and we've got staff in the, in, in the Netherlands. All with different kind of regimes going on. Um, one of the guys who's in France, by the way, went over there, was in Dublin, went over there and hasn't been able to get home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so hopefully, hopefully he's going to come back the next time the window opens for him to get back to Ireland. Like You know what I mean? So um, Yeah,
0: so um, I kept, was that going to answer your question there? I can't remember what your question was. I'm trying to remember what the question was. Too, to most... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know what it was. It was... About when people get through the net, yeah. Uh, what do you oh, notice? Yeah, get, get uh, net, yeah. yeah, and what I think you're saying is, well, look, there's when when that happens, when we see the red flags, our job is to sit down and figure out. It can be for any different reasons. Let's not jump to conclusions. And that if it is just somebody who got through, and you know, it just wasn't something a trait. That was identifiable in the in the hiring process. Well, we have to deal with that, but very often it's a case of uh, maybe it's they need to be upskilled, or there's just something going on in their lives, and they need a chance to discuss it, and and and, and that brings them around. So I, I yeah, that, that's where I was going with that. It's not an immediate there is, thing. There is, there's
1: one thing I'd add as well. I think this is, and this goes across every aspect of business, but it goes across this area particularly with people. I think you need to, you need in a business and the leaders need to be really good at making decisions. Uh, I don't mean that they have to make all the right decisions, by the way, because that's not possible because we're all human, but they need to make the decision. And uh, even if sometimes that decision is making no decision, that's fine, too. But you, you've got to make up your mind and be clear about what you're doing, because actually. So, so when you see the problem. You decide: Am I going to mo- cre- get rid of the problem? Find out a bit more about the problem. But you you make a decision and you move quickly. And you don't keep doing it forever, though. Either you've got to you got to then make the next decision and move mm-hmm. on. Um, and what, I see that in business all the time. It's what holds people back yeah. is indecisiveness. Yeah. More than yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. And do you have a process for decision making? A conscious one. Oh, uh, i think it's just that
1: make a decision you know okay. um, and, and and that's what people want though as well that's my experience of as a leader um they won't tell you this so you don't look you don't look for affirmation of it so i can't tell you oh yeah i've got five guys told me this would you know it instinctively they and i and you also know because if, if you react to other leaders you're reacting because they're making decisions right you know, um, you know, we're all living in, in, in this country and other countries and we're looking at our leaders. And what we got annoys us the most, mostly, is the lack of decisions. The key is make a decision.
0: What would you say I then? Because think- I, I, I'm thinking also it's not just the, the lack of decision making. It's that when the wrong decision is has been made, is that they'd rather double down on that rather than put their hand up and say, you know what? Got that wrong. Let's make a different decision.
1: No, you have to change but there's a, there's another thing to that decision making process because you don't you won't know everything yourself so one of the things we did and this is across the whole business that I did from the very beginning the reason I was able to run a business with with 3 million turnover and six staff um was actually we didn't just have six staff and I was one of the six so it was that we had a lot, you know, we had a lot of people around the business advisors so I've I started out with just people I knew you know people like you and others who I would have gone to to ask for information and then what you do is you find some people are able to give you that more regularly and very happy to give it to you and you can sometimes formalize that and you can use them as as sorry for the background bell you can use them as uh, as um, advisors mm. so I actually created over the years a number of what so of advisory panels so collection of people, and some might have run for a period of time. So one, the very first one I set up was to, I had all these ideas, how to bring the business forward. And what the great thing was, the very first meeting we had, we discussed strategy and this, that and the other, but it was about 2015, and we still had debt going back to 2006 in the business. And all the advisors are looking there and we're saying, and everybody said, you gotta sort out the debt. All these ideas are great. But you tell your at the debt, It's the elephant in the room, and the great thing was, and I am good to make a decisions. So I'll know that about myself. Great, thanks, guys. We we didn't. We'll have another meeting, which we never did because I, it was all I wanted. I got what I wanted out of it was clarification that all those lovely ideas about where to bring the business forward was a fundamental flaw that I, you know that was obvious to me, but I wasn't doing anything about it because I was getting distracted, yeah. Yeah. and as soon as I brought. A bit of wisdom in the room. That was it. Wisdom and experience and that kind of little bit arm's length. And they're not directors either. Mm. because Ooh. directors then have different obligations I might' even tell you that. but if you do that in a way and you pay, pay them a few, Bob, and you say, listen, help me out, pay some money. yeah you know, most people they are not expect a lot of money. They just they enjoy. If they like the story. If you have a good story, they'll'll they'll they'll, they'll, mm. they'll help you.
0: But something else you've, you've, something else you've left out of that the most, and it's credit to you, that I think is hugely important, is that you listened to them. That a lot of people will, will, will look for validation of their own thoughts and feelings. But what you're doing is you're saying, look, I could have this wrong. Tell me. And those guys would not be in that room if they didn't feel that they were being listened to as well. And I think that's hugely important in a leader. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You, that it's, it is. We have to make sure you have the right people in the room first as well, though. So you could have got all the wrong people in the room, yeah. and they give you bad. Idea. So, yeah. yeah. But if you get it right, if you get as close as possible to get the right people in the room, yep. So your job is to listen, because yeah. otherwise, why, yeah. why? Why did you? Everyone's wasting their time, including
0: yeah. you. The most we're 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 up on time almost, and I had one last question for you. And I have thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. Is you're not going to do this forever, right? You said you were fifty last year there's plenty more gas in the tank, right? however, at some stage and the business may continue, but you will unwind from it what do you plan to do when that happens where Where do you plan to go and spend your time I'd love to go down to
1: West Cork um I don't, I'd love to own a little pub or a little a kind of a um, gastro pub down there um it's a great part of the world um to go to 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 hang out to east the water the yeah. sea uh i love it down there so Do anyway, i recall I correctly
0: Tomas, that you b- bought a photograph of west corp because it was meaningful to yourself and your wife oh
1: yes yeah actually it's over there yes yeah yeah, yeah. So we, we, we yeah, I think, I think, did I mention that
0: to you? Probably did, It's, yeah. ten, it's 10 years ago, Tomás, but I do remember it because <laughs> because, yeah. because somebody bought a photograph, and you know me, I'm into photography, and, and yeah, you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's why we, because that was it. It wasn't that it was a beautiful, I'm sure it was a beautiful photograph, but that wasn't why you bought it. You bought it because it was meaningful. There was an emotion attached to it.
1: Yeah, that's where I'd go. I would, uh, my daughter always says to me, I make a great sandwich. Uh, and she said you should open a sandwich shop <laughs> so I was thinking maybe not a sandwich shop but maybe I like a little a nice country pub you know so I don't have to worry about and I'd open it at the times I wanted to open it so uh, i'd you know I wouldn't be if I had made my money at this I wouldn't have to worry about making money um I give people a good time with nice food nice drink nice countryside fresh air so yeah that's probably what I will do so hopefully I get to do that before I get to to be too old to
0: enjoy it listen to i want to thank you so much for being my guest today i've thoroughly enjoyed it thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights and continued success and con- and 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 the dream and west cork <laughs>
1: thanks paul great to see you and uh, hopefully we'll get to meet in the flesh very soon